Welcome to the Just Write Show, where you'll explore the world of the written word, from books to blogs, sales copy to screenplays, emails to essays, and everything in between. You'll discover the tips, tricks, and tactics the most successful writers in the world use every day. And now, here's your host, Travis Cody. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Just Right Show. Today we have, I would say, direct marketing royalty on the show. Joining me is Bond Halbert, part of the Halbert family. No family has made a bigger impact on copywriting than the Halberts. Bond's dad, Gary Halbert, is widely considered to be the greatest copywriter who has ever lived. And he wrote record-crushing promotions in more niches than any other copywriter known to man. Gary also wrote the most widely mailed sales letter in history and continued to make history through his famous website, The Gary Halbert Letter. Many of today's top copywriters credit Gary for much of their success. And of the many highly paid wordsmiths he mentored, his son Bond was among his first students and was, of course, the closest to his dad in both a personal and professional relationship. Because of the book, The Boron Letters, it's well documented that Bond Halbert was given the most thorough education in direct marketing history directly from his father, Gary C. Halbert. But Bond has continued the family tradition of creating marketing breakthroughs and showing professional copywriters how to write copy, which brings in more sales. More than that, the thing I appreciate about Bond is his ability to take principles with writing, especially in sales writing, that seem complicated and convoluted, sometimes a little esoteric, and make them very easy to not only understand, but easy to be able to implement and actually use for normal people. So Bond, thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you here. My pleasure. So let's obviously let's talk a little bit about the legacy here. When 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 you've got a father like Gary, it's it. I, I've already had several people on the show who actually attribute their success to your father, and so uh, I'm I'm fascinated. There, there's a fellow I follow called uh, Dr. John D. Martini, and he always talks about when you're studying something, you should just go directly back to the source. And so what I find fascinating in the world today is there's a lot of these guys that your dad trained who are now teaching their own courses and doing their own thing. But really, like the source is your dad and you were raised by the source. <laughs> so what was that like as a, as, a, as a child? Were you aware of what your dad was doing? And then I guess more importantly is at what point did you start to become interested in that? Well, actually, the funny thing is right now, I think what you've got is people who learned from people who learned who, from people who learned from my father now putting out courses. Uh, and it, and it's, it's, it's like, actually, it's, like the, uh, it's like a photocopy, the copy of the copy of the copy. And by the time you get the fifth one, you're like, ah, this is kind of hard to I understand. Well, uh, one of my favorite copywriters of all time is Paris Lompropolis. And he, he coined the, uh, the phrase, and it's true, he goes, you know, all in the world of copywriting, all roads lead to Gary Halbert. Um, and there were some, now, now to be fair, my dad, there are other people that my dad, you know, that, you know, were an influence on him, not personally, but through books and stuff like that, like the Thomas Hall letters, you know, Robert Collier and stuff like that. But nobody was able, you know, he had actually taken their stuff and improved upon it by making it easier to understand, giving you concrete examples, leading by inspiration. Uh, but to answer your question, when I, first became interested in copywriting. My dad is notorious for being terrible with his money. So, you know, the, 
if you ask anybody um, who knew him well, you know, you know that I grew up, you know, and sometimes I'm like the richest kid in my school. And other times I'm seeing my dad go through the couch looking for change to put gas in the car. Wow. And, uh, no, I mean, that that happened over and over again on both sides. I mean, it wasn't like this, you know, we were, he was sleeping in his car and then made money and then everything was great from that on. It was like, you know, having this problem, seeing cars for, you know, um, you know, repossessed and then seeing, you know, all of a sudden we're living in a fancy place again and my dad's driving a Rolls Royce. And then all of a sudden, I mean, this was just up and down, up and down, up and down because, he really was had no respect for money. He wasn't in the game actually for the most part for the money. He was, um, uh, in fact, an odd thing about him growing when I was growing up is he would get really disappointed if a piece wasn't a blockbuster piece that made money on the front end. And for those who don't know, that means just making a profit right off the beginning. When he started and you were in the game, if you broke even, that was a huge winner because now you could mail the list of your buyers something else to increase that lifetime value of the client. And so it was fine for you to break even um, was it was a huge success. And my dad considered it kind of treated it like an abject failure. Failure. He was like Babe Ruth, where it's like you know he swung for the fences. He wanted a home run or not. So he wanted his he wanted his ads to return a profit immediately. Where somebody else would say. You know, look, if we do an ad on this, whatever it is, a diet book or commemorative coin or whatever, and it breaks even, it doesn't make a difference because now we're going to take that list and sell them more commemorative coins. And that, that, since we've already paid to capture that lead, we take a lot of money. So my dad actually had quite a few of those that would have built big companies, but he didn't care. He was bored. You know, he wanted to move on to something else. But in any case, um, so one of these times he had actually kind of was down on his luck, I guess, financially, you would say. And it was just because he blew his money. It wasn't because, you know, he, he just, he was never into investing and he was never into building for a retirement. And, um, and so one time he was down on his luck and I was about 10 years old and we were going to his favorite coffee shop. Um, I, I never knew, I heard people call it Zuki's. I think it might've been called Zucky's. It was actually right near where you used to live in Santa Monica. Um, and we were actually walking from, there's a the building there that you'll know, the clock tower building. It's the one with the yep. big, the old building with yeah. the clock. That was the home of the first company he built when we moved to LA. Um, oh, wow. called Good News Incorporated. And we lived out on the beach, but we were walking to Zucky's, which was, you know, I don't know, maybe it was Lincoln or something like that, but it's not there anymore. And I said, you know, I'm really lucky. And he says, why is that? I said, well, you know, Jeff, my oldest brother, he got like, you know, he inherited cars and got all these toys and stuff like that. But I get to see how you make the money. I'm, gonna, I'm paying attention to you. And he's like, that's the smartest thing any kid had ever said to him. And so my, dad, um, my dad decided that since I was interested and he had, he had made his big breakthroughs by breaking the rules and not following the rule books. And he had decided that he was going to be a parent and do everything in his life, everything, like his, everything about everything his way. And sometimes it wouldn't work out. Sometimes it would, but that included parenting. So he turned around and he said, okay, I'm going to train you and I'm going to show you how to do things. And 
Um, he would pull me out of schools to go to meetings with people like Jay Abraham and top list brokers. And I would be, I, you know, I'm obviously the only kid, but we would be in a um, hotel room at like the Sheraton down in um, Santa Monica and their brains, they're going over list data cards and deciding what kind of ideas and offers they could put together to sell to these, these, these groups of people. Uh, my first uh, job was at a list brokerage firm working in the data card uh, room. And so he was flying me with, he would take me with him back to Ohio where there was a big epicenter of direct response marketers. Right. Yeah. And um, so I was there for the meetings. I was there for his planning and being part of all the events. I was there when he dealt with most of his clients and I, nobody spent more time in the room listening to clients pitch to him. And say, I've got this. And my dad would question them and do that interview process. And then, you know, you'd hear that one line that the client would say, like, you know, oh, well, this is, you know, made by a special bean that's only found on the eastern side of the Himalayas. Himalayas. And you're like, okay, you know, you know, you know, I'm like, okay, so this headline is going to be the amazing diet secret fit, you know, found in the, you know, discovered in the eastern side of the Himalayas and why it's so, why it works so well. <laughs> And so then he would write down his headline and mock up the ad and the idea of what he had for the client. And I was, you know, I was getting better and better and knowing exactly how he was thinking. This was my own. He didn't have me do this, by the way. This is my own way of testing whether or not I'm thinking like him. Oh. So I wasn't, I wasn't a kid just in the room with him. I was totally absorbing everything he did. And so um, then eventually what happened was, you know, I was working with, um, um, I was his, he went to Boron and I was his liaison with his, between his clients in there. He wasn't supposed to be working, but he did anyway. And so I would bring his client work to him. And, you know, so I was so, so I was around when he'd have his breakthrough. I was around when he would write the copy. I was around when he used to, um, one of the things that was amazing about him was he was the only copywriter of the big wigs that could actually sit down and write that copy all the way through and only do a few edits. And, you know, everybody else says, you know, edit. And I've heard people say they saw him edit like 15 times. He never did that. What he did was he came from a world where they typed the copy out and that was long and expensive. So we would go together and he would be, uh, we'd go over to Postal Instant Press on Sunset near the, um, uh, forget what they call it. It's, it. There's a globe there with a world thing. And um, they had a, they had typists there. And so he would pay this, uh, the originally women, he would pay the lady to type the typist stuff. We'd go over to Denny's, which is no longer there. It was called rock and roll Denny's because all the rock rockers in Hollywood would go there after the clubs closed. And that's awesome. But he would go over it, read it, make a few changes. And we'd go back to the typist. And this was a pattern, right? So, I mean, this is how, it, this is how much time I'm spending with him talking about marketing, talking about direct response. And so, and I just, this just today realized the best way to explain it, which is I'm not super, you know, like, like smart or talented in that way. Imagine you were Carlos Santana's kid and he handed you a guitar and started teaching you chords and having you play with his band and do things from a from, you know from the point of being a little kid. You get it at a level that you start seeing things with a vision. Mm -hmm. And so when we, you earlier we were talking about how Caleb and other proteges kind of learned through osmosis of being with my dad. Well, I was with him the longest, right? But on top of that, 
he wasn't, it wasn't like a surgeon who's, you know, who comes home and plays with his kid. I was more like Carlos Santana's kid who's playing, you know, who's learning, learning. He's all giving you the stuff. guitar going, play some chords, boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he threw me up on stage to give a, give a speech and I was like 16 years old. Right. <laughs> you know, he goes, I gotta go to the bathroom, go up there and give my APAL BPAL speech. Um, and, you know, cause I, cause I had known these things so well. And then, so eventually, you know, that's, that was how I got started in the world of direct response marketing, but more importantly, became a, a master at understanding, um, funnels, persuasion, business, all of these other things. In fact, I, I, I have to my dad's chagrin, I actually have a degree in business administration. Um, uh, but he, but he's very happy of the fact that, you know, he asked me, you know, how is it? And I said, well, you know, I mean, you'd learn more spending a year with you than you would, you know, six, six years in college with these people. They, they, they waste a lot of money, a lot of time creating prospectus, which is just all bullshit until you test it. <laughs> well, I think you just said something very interesting, which is what I've noticed in the, and especially in the marketing world is that you get these guys that they'll, they specialize and there's nothing wrong with specializing, but the challenge with this is uh, when, when in my careers, I started working for some of the, the quote, super famous, you know, A-list marketing copywriter guys, they could make it rain money. But when it came to running a business, <laughs> behind the scenes was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Everyone's stressed out. The team was depressed. There was always chaos. And I was like, oh, wow, there's, they have a skill in this thing which is, you know, marketing or copywriting, but this, this, the running a business is an actual different skill. And what you just said there was like, you learned not just the copywriting, but you also learned the, the techniques of persuasion, which without those, it doesn't matter how good of a copywriter you are, or which formulas you follow, it's always going to fall flat. But then also seeing the business aspect, not only from what your dad was doing, but the clients that he was dealing with, and getting the whole picture of how it all ties together. I mean, I think that's that's pretty remarkable. Well, you know, the business, I've, I've told people this all the time. I said, you know, when it takes to grow a, good, a big business, and I'll give you examples of this. Um, the creative genius that exists in a, in a marketing persuasion copywriting expert does not live in the same brain or in the same body as a management expert. Um, you, as a creative person, can't, just physically can't go home or wake up every Monday and do the accounting and do the bills and, you know, that stuff. It's, it's too mundane. You can't stand it. You don't have the discipline for it. And if you did start at having the discipline for it, your brain would be fried to the openness that's needed for the creativity. And it's not a slam on either of them. You can't become GKIC without a Kennedy talent with a Glazer manager. You can't become halbertizing without um, Gary Halbert doing the creativity work and then having um, a guy like Dennis Hasslinger build it. Um, you look at Golden Hippo and Craig's, you know, I'm very proud that I recognize Craig as a talent long before he says, even before he recognized it, but he's got one really gigantic asset, which are, you know, brothers that are disciplined and, you know, do the management. And the problem with that is most of the time that relationship blows up. And the reason it does, um, Craig's probably won't. The only ones I've seen last have been relative teams, like, related they're related to each other right and what happens is the manager says well you know i can get another copywriter for 50 grand right and the copywriter's like yeah you think you can but i can get another manager for 50 grand you know and so 
they the truth is the copywriter doesn't even want to manage a manager right <laughs> and the truth is you can't you know you can't replace the guy who knows your particular business in and out that easily because the reason people specialize and this is very much true the hardest part the longest part and the of the process is truly understanding the prospects that you're dealing with where they are what they're thinking meeting the conversation that's in their head, all of those cliches. And then once you finally do, it's so much easier to continue selling to, you know, um, you know, a millennial who's looking for a travel experience than it is to start switching over to a different prospect and start trying to sell to, you know, 60 year old white self-made men who are, you know, conservative and worried about, you know, the, the world coming to hell in a handbasket because they're, you know, they're just, it, it's just a different avatar. It's a different right. prospect. And so they end up specializing in at best one or two of those niches. And, um, and so they, you know, it's a lot, it's, it's so much harder. And so I'm never surprised to hear somebody who's great at finance and they hire them and they want to, they want them to promote a yoga studio and it bombs. Well, of course it's going to bomb. This person doesn't know anything about the yoga experience of the people and what they care about, what they think. So the very best, the reason my dad was so good was the very best are people who are just open. They, they, they get bored and they switch around and they go, you know, I'm getting into yoga and I'm starting to really, you know, I dig this, you know, and I, so I study this stuff. I, I start, you know, getting the mad. I'm trying hot yoga. I'm taking classes. I do some look, looking around on YouTube and they're just doing it and they dive in and then they get sick and tired of that and go, you know, I want to get into bicycle riding, you know, <laughs> and then they switch that and they go, no, you know, I pick up the hobby of fishing and stuff. And they're the ones who are more likely to have an, a greater understanding of more avatars. And my dad was like that. And, you know, I'm like that too. I get very bored. Uh, I go full in. It's, it's almost like an alcoholic behavior where you just dive in, you absorb everything you can, you learn everything about it, you ex try and experience everything, and then you get bored and you move on to something else. But, you know, specializing is also good because what happens is it makes the job as a copywriter easier, you know, because if you say, I've got a, um, uh, I've got a pizzeria in Vegas, and I'm looking for a copywriter because I want to run some ads. And the copywriter, um, you, you know, so you go to a copywriting convention and one person says, what kind of copy do you do? I do it all. I do charity copy work. I do, I work for Fortune 500 magazines. I do you know, local, I do SEO, I do mom and pop. I do all, you know, I do the big businesses. I, there's nothing, no copy I can't write. The other person says, you know what, I just specialize in driving local traffic and uh, to, in, you know, but the city has in decent sized cities. And the third person says, I only specialize in sending people to restaurants in Vegas. You know, you're like, okay, that's the guy I want, right? <laughs> yeah. But yep. the great part about understanding funnels and the great part of understanding different business models and the things that I do is, I have a better chance at helping that client make money because um, I've learned how to teach people this. Now they will listen to me because I'm Gary Halbert's son and I have the name. There's no doubt, but they'll also listen to me because by now everybody knows I'm not, I don't just have the name. I have the gene, but the, what'll, but there, but even before that was well known, I could get people to listen and pay attention because what I said made sense. And I was able to teach them why, 
this isn't the market they should be going after, that they should be sourcing people in this area, or they should be trying this tactic. Or, and, you know, so it's like you can come in and say, listen, you know, this thing is working fairly well. You want me to rewrite it to see if I can make it better. But the truth is, why aren't we instead making an email and offering this extra, making this extra offer to your current list? You know, you'll make, and that'll make the, the, the thing that you do more valuable. The lifetime value of the client will go up. Then we will be able to afford to advertise in these larger papers. I can teach them, you know, all of these different ways. You know, how come you are not sending them also, why don't you cut a deal with the chicken place next door? Because you think people eat pizza every single night? You know, I mean, you know, the chicken, you know, and I can convince the chicken joint owner and the pizza joint owner that they're better off actually, you know, like right now in COVID, I would suggest that if you are one of the local small businesses that you go on to the next door app and you say, Hey, you know, if we don't support these small businesses now, the world is going to be left with shaky's pizzas and subways. And that's not the world I want to live in. So, <laughs> that's a so good pitch. Yeah. Shaky's pizzas and subway. <laughs> and so you send them to, you know, but so if you come to this place and mention this, mention this um, thing, they'll give you 10% off. And then when you get there, you hand them a little paper that's got the little tabs for 10% off and say, this is the coalition of just small one mom and pop, you know, restaurants that are in the local area. We want you to keep us all afloat, you know, and so that we can survive this pandemic, you know, I mean, and you're going to, you're going to hit, um, you know, you, so the thing is people, I can tell when to treat people like competitors and when they should actually be allies. You know, you know, I can get somebody who sells a copy course and say, hey, listen, I want you to do me a favor, pitch my copy course or program. I'll give you half the money, but only pitch them after they've sold yours. Just pitch it to your buyers because you're not selling them anything anyway. Right. So understanding funnels and understanding that structure and all the things that I also learned, um, you know, in, in coming up with with big ideas and how to grow their businesses, you know, um, you, you can teach them about copy. So for example, I was uh, talking with somebody the other day and they, um, they're working for a client that sells a brass, um, a, a, a brass faucet. And I said, you know, one of the things that might help you is a lifetime warranty. It's got no moving parts. You know, all you got to do is keep a supply of washers on hand, you know, to send people. It's like, you know, who's going to break a, a brass, a solid brass tube that's coming out of their sink? You know, there, you know, this, these are the things that will, so even in copy, I can convince people to change their offer by explaining to them things of how that'll make a difference and how it'll make, give them a USP, how it'll make them stand out different from other people. So a big part of what I also learned from my father that copywriters don't learn in any courses is how to teach their clients to be, to, to be better business people. And how to, and how, and because this also adds to work, you know, because the, guess what, if this guy, you say, listen, I'm going to do this email. And then when you take the money and you see that that's working, I have three more ideas for you. And then you'll hire me to do the other three pieces as well, you know? And so I, I'm, I know I've gone off the topic of copywriting and we'll pull it back to that. But what I'm saying is being, it's, you know, if you, if you go beyond being a copywriter and you become a marketing expert, right? And you become authoritative in that kind of way. You can actually guide people and, you know, create more work for yourself in the process and do a better job for your clients. 
Hmm. You know, instead of like, yes, I will write this one email for you, you know, and try and beat your control. But if I do, you know, and you explain it with numbers, say, look, if I beat your control and I double it, you go from making $200 a week to $400 a week. But if I write this extra piece for you and it works, you know, you're going to be making an extra thousand dollars a week. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah. that's you know, huge. it's, it, it makes a big difference. And so that was one of the things that I was able to notice with studying businesses as well. You know, the only thing that I really, really hate the idea of doing is corporate style stuff because you're just wasting your time, <laughs> you know, because you're always marketing, you're marketing to your client, you're marketing to the newspaper people to run your ads at remnant costs. You're, you're, you are marketing all the time in your business. And the worst person to market to is some schlub whose only concern is getting his promotion, you know, and, 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 and telling his boss that he's really via, you know, invaluable in, in the, and during his performance review in six months, you know, who, who also, who's also life plan is to be at this company for one more year before they go to the headhunters and try and switch over to a different company in a similar industry. That's the, I mean, you can do it. It's just, it's terrible. <laughs> so I love to talk about the process with the writers I have on the show. So when I, and I know now you have the, the Gary Halbert copy club on Facebook, you have your habitizing copy group where you're training copywriters. So in terms of, let's say not somebody entirely new, but someone who's maybe been, they've been studying copywriting for a year or two, maybe they've written a couple of letters and they come to you and they join the group what is the process that a Halbert would go through in terms of you just got a new client and you're working with someone to take them from sort of scratch to delivering a final letter to that, that client? What does that look like? Well, the first thing is um, it's actually, you jump from the very end back to the very beginning. So the very, the very end thing is what do you want those people to do? So I want them to, buy a product. Um, name a product. I'm good enough where I can actually tell you, name a product. <laughs> Let's do, um, I just saw an ad for this thing that is a duvet for your bed, but it has air in it and it's a dual temperature duvet. So your wife can have her side of the bed at 90 degrees and you can have the side of your bed at 60 degrees and no one's fighting over the temperature. Okay. So you have your dual um, temperature duvet that you want them to buy, right? I take it the emails to get them to buy it. Yep. Okay. So the first, so now I, I want them that. And so I want them to buy that. So then there is what my dad would teach and always taught me to do is there is the, the, you know, when it comes to marketing efforts there, imagine somebody has spilled a whole bunch of coins on the ground and there's gold coins, copper coins, and silver coins. The first ones you pick up are the gold. Then the next ones you pick up are the silver. And then the next ones you pick up are the copper. There's still, it's all still worth picking up, but you focus in on what's the easiest sells and stuff. So the easiest sell on the, the, the duvet air dual temperatures are people who are already looking in other places for a, you know, better sleep. Okay. Cause that's in, in the nutshell, what these people are looking for is better sleep. Yep. So you're, and, and also because if it's a dual temperature, that means there's two people in there, right? Yep. Or more. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, so there's two or more. So now I would want to see if I can get a deal going with somebody who's actually selling 
um, higher end Turkish sheets, uh, sheets, um, uh, you know, the, um, what do they call it? The, the higher thread count sheets, right. yep. or, organically sourced cottons. People bamboo who, is really big right now. Yeah. Bamboo. I would be looking at those and I would be looking for the ones that are buying king and queen size only. I don't want any single size. Right. Okay. Right. The other thing I'm looking for is people who order from my pillow, but they have to have ordered two pillows, not one. Right. So I'm trying to narrow that target and get a, and cut a deal with somebody and do an affiliate deal. That's where I'm getting the leads from. So the next question about if you're hiring now, if we're talking about a client, my question is, where are you trying to get those leads? Okay. So if you're saying I'm doing these affiliate deals with these people, then what I'm going to want to do is I'm going to write a piece that starts off very informational and educational as to why they want to have dual sweep sleep patterns, you know, and walk, you know, shows that they're like walking in the shoes. Look, you know, my wife is, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's hormone related or our age or whatever it is, but she's always ran hot. I've always run cold. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're fighting, we're fighting for the, you know, she's getting rid of the cover. I'm trying to keep the cover on me. Um, you know, she's trying to put on the fan and the air conditioner and that's making my throat sore because you know, <laughs> so I'm, and, and by the way, I always want in the world of copy, take them from a place that's worse than where they are to a place that's better than they dare dreamed. Right? right. So I want to take them from a place where, you know, I mean, it was getting to the point where I was seriously considering setting up another bed in, in the back, you know, in my back office, just to, because, you know, we were just becoming incompatible with the, you know, our tolerances. And by the way, it's nobody's fault when you are advertising, when you are, um, when you get older, your tolerance for different temperature ranges, you know, drops a lot. So while you were young, you didn't mind playing in the snow for hours and you didn't like practically feel it. Now that you're older, you know, the snow is actually, you know, you start feeling uncomfortable in a lot quicker period of time. And the same thing is true with heat and humidity. And, you know, they start nodding their head and thinking things like this. Yep. And then um, you say, um, but, you know, but, the, but your, your headline is promising the cure for, it. you know, why couples sleep in rad, you know, have radically different comfort uh, zones, temperature comfort zones when they sleep. And here is the very latest solution and breakthrough. And you think about their, like their objections to that. And you address that right in there for, and, you know, and the answer is not one of these expensive beds that might break down on right? And then cost you a fortune. The expense, you know, there's a new way to do it. That's a lot cheaper. It's, you know, and you start talking about, okay, look, you know, there are these, these mattresses that are special cooling on one side and heating on the other and everything. But when they break down, you're talking about having to replace it for $5,000 a piece. The best way to do is just use it with a duvet cover. There's these new ones. And so, you know, you're comparing the competition. What are their other options and stuff? And so I'm sorry, I'm using the example, but you can right. start breaking yep. down the process. The process is understand what their options are, understand what the problems are with the other options, turn those other people's, you know, problems into your benefits. So the problem, you know, and so, you know, somebody's, you know, and so you say, well, yeah, we've tried those solutions. You know, they different, we spent $5,000 on a mattress, you know, and it broke in one year, right? And guess when that warranty was up? One year. So, you know, here we are with this dead, you know, dead zone mattress that we paid $5,000 for and we can't do anything about it. And I'm not really looking forward to spending another $5,000 on doing these things. So we looked into other alternatives. And that's when I found out about these duvets, right? <laughs> and
and the duvet was a, seemed like a much better solution. And here's why, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's less expensive. I could actually buy five of these for the price of that mattress. And, you know, so far, you know, um, they've done these tests on it and you just go through all of the research. But anyway, so what would first happen is I want to know where they're going to sell it. Then for the copy itself, uh, depending on where they're coming from, depends on what market level awareness they've actually already expressed. So in other words, they've actually, have they already been looking for a solution to this problem? Or do they, have they just, you know, or are you just something they've never looked for and you're doing a Facebook ad campaign because it is, um, it's like a billboard. So the Facebook ad campaign says, you know, does your, does your wife sleep want the temperature to be hotter or colder than you? Vastly different. You know, here's, you know, here's the, um, here's the, the, be the five best solutions for fixing that for under 500 bucks. Right. And, you know, and by the way, I'll give you a copywriting tip that, you know, I, I invented Sweet. a while ago that they're now using sometimes over even at Agora. Okay. Understanding the process somebody goes through when they get their advertisement is key. And it's one of the things that I was taught by my dad. And if you're going through Facebook and you're scrolling through and you see an ad and the ad applies to you, it's like, you know, how to escape the heat in summer in Vegas or whatever. Okay. And, you know, um, we're going to give you, you know, the, the five different tips. How likely are you to click on that ad? Pretty high. Yeah, pretty high. Pretty high. Well, I think that what's going to happen now, if we turn around and we say, you know, um, so you're, you're being promised an article and information, but you see that it's sponsored. Okay. And somebody's asked you and they said, you know, I've got my, you know, my checklist for copywriting. How high is that? Copywriting checklist. You're you're go, you're scrolling through the you're scrolling through the Facebook. You see a sponsored ad and it says, you know, I've got this, you know, my, the you know the seven seven different elements or uh, copywriting checklist for writing killer headline. Well, you so don't for, know the person. I was gonna say if I don't know the person, I'm gonna be like, eh. Well, one of the, and what's the number one reason you're probably gonna say eh? Because I've seen a million of those seven checklists to a whatever headline. Yep. And you know they're going to ask you for an email address and try and take you down a rabbit hole. It's going to take you five, 20 minutes to get to whatever it is that they're actually offering to give you. Yep. I was doing a site about free things to do in Los Angeles one time, and I needed Google to crawl my site to see that the, the length of time on site was actually long enough to start ranking me higher in their search engine results. So to get those spiders to crawl my website, I actually created a Google ad. And the Google ad, now this is not, this is not back in the day when Google ads just started. There was already big courses on SEO and all this other stuff. So my URL talked about free things to do in Los Angeles. So that had the authority and the promise then in it. I put in a compelling offer or benefit, which was, you know, thousands of things to do in LA this week, you know, that are, you know, absolutely free. And then I put in the one line that I think is going to help boost a lot of Facebook ads. No signups necessary, right? That's the copywriting tip I'll give you because what happens is you know that people are sick and tired of that, you know. So here is, you know, you know, just click here and you'll immediately be taken to the solution to this problem, right? So you put that in there and they're on Facebook. And so 
they go, okay, and they click on it and they go to a Facebook page or whatever, you know, the structure's all different because right. you want to keep yep. them on Facebook so your clicks are cheaper and stuff like that. But then now you, what you're doing is you're showing them what to do. And then now I would probably, in this case, recommend a video, right? Because, you know, you know, a little quick video playing that shows that, you know, a woman who's like, you know, baking hot and a man who's freezing cold <laughs> and they used to get together or even something clever, like when they're younger, they're snuggled up together. And then as they, you know, you show them like digitally aging and getting further apart. <laughs> Piles are getting thicker on one side yeah. and the guy's going down just a sheet on the other. <laughs> and so if, so once I know where the, where, where the experience is going to be, and what level market level awareness they're going to have, that's going to determine a lot about the kind of research and what's going to prioritize what goes into the copy. Right? So if I know that these are, this is that I'm already targeting people who have been looking into or done the, you know, like I'm doing a Google ad campaign, an AdWord campaign is different because if you do a Google AdWord campaign, they have actually, they have a problem. They're searching it. If they're searching, you know, hot and cold sleeping, right? They are not, they're not just idly interested. They're trying to solve a problem. If you're on Facebook, it's a billboard that you're driving down. Facebook's just smart enough to say, well, we don't want to sell this to people who don't have, that aren't in a relationship, right? Their AI shows you that because if, yep. you're selling, if you're selling a hot and cold, one person's hot, one person's cold. So once you know what level of market awareness is, you keep that in mind. Now you start your research. You start going through the process of, you know, how do they find this? And you start writing it all down. One of the things that I do is I make it, you know, you pull out a notepad that's about the avatar. You pull out a notepad so that you're going to write down um, professional lingo and stuff that makes you sound like an expert that you've run across. You're going to pull out one that's the customer lingo, the way that they describe the problems, the way that they describe their frustrations, the way they describe their solutions, their relief when they get relief from the benefit, when they've solved their problem, all, the language that they use. Um, what else are you going to do? You're also going to take out, you know, you also want to start keeping notes on the resources and the path to which they go about trying to solve these things. And again, it depends on their customer level awareness. If their customer level awareness is one, they're not even sure that there's a problem, then they're not, you know, searching, uh, they're not searching certain stuff. Then I'm going to take them through, you know, um, looking at what the, what people are saying about the competition reviews, all of the standard kind of stuff except I'm going to start showing them how to extract all of these different things. And this is really important. The, you don't, you need to make money as a copywriter. So you can't do a thousand hours of research on a project. Somebody's paying you $500 for. Right. Okay. So, you know, what you want to do is you want to know, this is what I do. If I, this is the level of research and the steps that are most important to take. If I've got an hour, these are the steps in it, how much I want to do it. If this is a campaign, somebody's paying me $50,000 plus 5% of the gross. And it really, and they do big business. It can lead to a lot of money. Okay. I'm willing to spend three months working on that campaign. Okay. And I will divide that time with one third will be the research one third will be for percolating the idea and getting that first draft. And the last third will usually be spent editing. Okay. And polishing. And if you don't have a deadline, make a deadline to do that. 
but make it based on making sure that you're making a profit for the amount of time that you're actually spending in. The only caveat- no, I think that's great advice because I think most copywriters, they don't, they're not aware of that. And so they'll end up, they, they need money. So they take on a job and then ends up being way bigger than they thought. And when the, by the time they're done with it, they're all bitter and depressed and mad because they're like, oh, I just, you know, it took me two months to do that $1,500 sales letter because I wasn't aware of what it was going to take to get it done. The only time you want to do that is you're working with somebody who's a big enough person in the industry that the um, that that win in your portfolio, that saying I made a, you know, I did a $10 million campaign, you know, um, helps you get clients in the future. You know, so I mean, you're, that's the reason Agora gets all these people to work and slave so much for not too much money is because they want to turn around and say, I'm a successful Agora writer. And I had three, four, you know, three campaigns that all did over a million dollars in sales. Right. Yeah. And yep. one of the reasons Agora's campaigns do over a million dollars in sales is they have a million names on their list that, are, that and they sell them some more expensive stuff. So, you know, that, that, and so it's, it's almost like it, at least at one point, it was like, if you didn't make a million dollars on your campaign at Agora, it really wasn't a success <laughs> because their list is so gigantic. It was a failure. Get out. <laughs> well, no, but the point is, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes the only reason, the only time you're going to work for, you know, we'll call them slave wages is because that feather in your cap is actually going to be really really good you want to say that you worked for this muckety muck or you want to say you wrote a campaign for coca-cola right right some that's the only time other than that you need to make money in this business so you parse out exactly how much time you're going to spend researching and then you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and i just did this once in one in my group where you know a, one of the things that's pretty standard is if somebody gives you like let's suppose you're doing the duvet cover so what you do is you go to amazon it's Yelp if it's service. And you look at the duvet, the reviews on the duvet. And you look at the people and the language of the people who did the, the, the positive ones and the negative ones. And, you know, and you see how they talk about it. So the negative ones are giving you the language about their frustrations, right? And they tell right. the story. So they tell you the average prospect's customer story as they're going through the process of, you know, well, you know, my wife and I used to cut a lot, but I noticed that we had this problem and, you know, she was, you know, and then, but you pick up everything from these things, right? You're picking up their avatar, you know, you notice that this person is talking about, you know, we've been married for 20 years, right? So, you know, they're not 30. Okay. You know that they're older. So you start picking up on tips about their avatars. You start picking up on tips on about the language that they use. You start picking up language that actually from the descriptions that are written in the products that, you know, that are the professional lingo that let the prospect know you really know what you're talking about. You start picking up on these things and you see the negative and the positive. So the example I always use is imagine that you have a, you know, those sticks where you put a tennis ball in and you flick it and you send the tennis ball running for your dog. Okay. So yep. you go into them. And you say, and the reviews say, oh man, this is great. You know, my dog, um, the vet kept telling me that, you know, I need to exercise my dog, but I've always, I've always felt so guilty because I'd come home and I was too tired, but now, you know, it's easy. You know, somebody says, oh, wow, with the flick of a wrist, I sent that, yeah, I can send that puppy going a hundred times. Somebody else complains and, and says that, you know, oh, this thing broke after 20, after 20 throws. And somebody says, you know, the bad part, it was painted green. I threw it and I lost it. It was in the Ivy, right? 
So now your copy turns into, hey, with our, you know, with our Magnum XYZ ball chucker, you know, you can get no matter how tired you are when you come home from work, you can give your most loving, adoring pet that's waiting for you with a flick of a wrist, you can give him all the exercise he needs you know, at the park. And unlike the other ones, ours have been tested and they will, they're good for over 20,000 throws because we use ours with a high polymer plastic, you know, and we even painted it orange to make sure that you can always easily see it in case, you know, you know, when you drop it, in case you, in case lose, you lose it, it in the ivy. And so what you're doing is you're taking their negatives, putting it into your positive situation and so forth. Well, that's pretty standard stuff. Here's a more, even more advanced information. When you go into Amazon, right, you can actually take a look at those reviews and you can click on those names of the people and see what else they reviewed. It tells you more information like what part of the country they live in. It tells you more information of what kind of personality they have. In some cases, the pictures actually, they'll actually put in pictures and videos in the reviews that show the inside of their home or what kind of era, you start to fill in like a police sketch, you get a really good idea of who these people are and what they're like. Because it, it, you know what, think about the simple details of a story that you add for realism when it comes to stories. And you're checking out these people and you know, it turns out that you find out that a lot of these guys are people who own boats in Florida, right? And you happen to notice they're mostly wearing Tommy Bahama shirts, right? <laughs> you know, so you know not to insult them by talking about like, you know, saving Sarah Marshall scene. <laughs> or, you know, you know, you know, so you start to pick up on the thing that what they want is they don't, you know, it's not that they're, they're not looking for cheap, but what they're looking for is to be totally comfortable. Like that's the big thing in their life right now. So that becomes more part of your lingo and your language. But the point is the avatar, you can fill it in more. And, you know, you can tell, like when we were, we were doing this for one of the guys in our group and he had a, a brass, um, like I said, a brass um, faucet, right? But it's a high-end one. So we're able to go in and say, look, you know, these are people who are looking at for a high-end modern rustic feel, right? We could, we could look at the people who were buying high-end brass colored faucets in, uh, you know, that had bought other ones and we could take their language and use it. And often the customer's language, if you do enough research, the customer's language will actually write the copy for you. And all the other people say, yeah, that's me. I feel that, you know, the prospects are, you know, they're bonding with the prospects because that's actually what people who do buy and do these products feel and do. So, you know, when you turn around and talk about the dog that's, you know, sitting at home waiting for you all day, yet you're tired from a long day's worth of work, but you're feeling guilty because, you know, tomorrow you're going to feel tired too because the boss doesn't, you know, relent, you know, and, you know, you know that these people are, let's say that you know that they're religious and you say, but, you know, and on Sunday I'm busy with church stuff and, and, you know, now I've, you know, but now I've got the easy way to take him, you know, I can take it just a couple blocks to the park and I can give that puppy all the exercise he deserves so that he'll get all the benefits of a long loving life. And it reduces my vet bills because, you know, the, you know, the, the dog's living longer, the dog's healthier, the dog's getting exercise and everybody wins. Right. So what I'm going to do in the process is I'm going to find out first, what's the end thing you want them to buy? 
Then I'm going to figure out what market level awareness, the lead, where the leads are coming from. I want to know what their market level awareness is. That's going to determine what story information I want to get. Okay, if their market level awareness is really high, they're a copywriter that's been in copywriting and they've heard of Gary Halbert. I'm going to tell them Gary Halbert, I'm going to reinforce their knowledge of why Gary Halbert's one of the greatest copywriters of all time and why they should be proud shit weasels, right? <laughs> you know, he jokingly called his fans to a point where they started, you know, really embracing it. But I'm going to talk about that and I'm going to make them brand proud and strong. If they're coming through and they're just discovered copywriting and they don't know anything at all, then I'm going to start talking about the stories that they have. And the stories that they have are about, you know, how they were running an online business and they're trying to make things work or they went through click funnels and they set up their stuff and they even bought some traffic and they all this and then they realized things fell flat and it's probably because their the words on their sales page look like the words on a hundred other sales pages. Copy makes the difference. You know, I'm going to start educating them that, you know, this is why copy is so important and this is why you want to learn it. And here are the ways that you can go down it, you know, and you can learn copy because you want to sell your own stuff. You can learn copy because you want to become a copywriter who just, you know, goes from place to place, or you want to learn copy because you know, it's a way to grow a gigantic business, you know, and then, um, but I have good news for you. You know, I mean, there's, there's a way that you can learn this faster and, you know, and then give them your USP, your copy, your copy podcast, your copy, um, you're, you know, it has all the big stars or it's the copy podcast that actually give, tells people not just what to do, but how to do it. You're the copy podcast that, you know, shows people um, how to get from A to Z faster. You know, that you're, you know, that, it, you know, your copy teaches you how to write copy that's better than the other copywriters. It all depends on the USB that you're pushing. So I'm going to go through the process of doing the research. And then I'm going to have them assemble all of the elements that they can do. I'm going to have them focus in on attention, interest, desire, and action. Most copywriters spend all their time thinking about the headline and the hook, and then they fall apart when it comes to the call to action. It's easy enough when you say, click this link and join our webinar, right? The real magic is in, you know, usually in doing the other part. Now, the one thing most almost... All copywriters really are pretty good at a lot of, are, are very good at headlines. Unfortunately, they're modeling headlines from other, um, the similar headlines in their own industry. And that's a total mistake. Mm. Okay. So the first thing that you should do, and this is, this is another great tip for all copywriters. Everybody will tell you about start creating a swipe file. Now, my dad, as far as I know, actually popularized and may have even coined the term swipe file because he's the first one I found that talked about taking swipes. And he, what he was actually doing was swiping ads out of the back of the National Enquirer that he saw running over and over. <laughs> so he knew that they were working, right? That National so Enquirer, it's such a good source for direct marketing. Oh, it was, it was, it was <laughs> um, and it still is online. But so what he would do, though, is he would do that thing that we were talking about with Caleb, which is to break down why is this, what's he doing here? He's calling out the prospect to get your attention. You know, um, what's, what's he, why is this part, you know, he's in the interest phase of it. And so when it comes down to ADA, attention, interest, desire, and action, attention is, 
you know, calling out the target prospect or the problem that they have. That grabs their attention real quick or saying a shocking statement that doesn't even make sense, but you have to read a little further on. There's a lot of techniques for it, but it's the, it's the grabbing of their attention. And then you only have like seven or eight seconds to turn that attention into interest. And that is usually targeting them specifically. Say, look, you know, are you a copywriter that's earning less than $50,000 a year, but wants to jump to the next level? You know, and if you hit that target right on the nose, then you've got their interest, right? Finish reading this and you're going to, you're going to, you're, you know, you're going to thank, you're going to be so thankful if you, you know, finish reading this one piece, because I'm going to reveal, we're going to reveal some stuff that people are doing currently right now to jumpstart their copywriting career. Okay, so now you've got their interest. Now you start telling them the story that fuels their desire, right? <clears throat> and then when you start talking about the uh, features and the benefits, that's the one thing that's pretty easy for most copywriters. Now I teach them to write better, better bullets than everybody else, but the feature and the benefits, the, fe the features are the one thing your clients know in and out. And But you have to actually dig out of them. You say, why? You know, this is 300L steel. Why is it 300L steel? Well, that makes the watch a lot harder to scratch, you know, and so and if it's harder to scratch, it looks good even after 20 years. Okay, so now we have the feature and the benefit, right? So those become the bullets that are part, you know, the story talks about how you went from sleeping in your car to being a top copywriter or, you know, you were starting your own business and you realized copywriting was the key to making these ads work and so forth. Then you built in the, um, the bullets into your, you know, you start talking about the product or what it is you actually want to sell them. In our case, it's the duvet. So you say, you know, and then, you know, but this duvet cover, we finally found the cure, you know, our, the solution to our problem, which was the duvet um, dual air cover. And this is why it works so great. It's got a 60 millimeter tube, which delivers more fluid, you know, so, you know, that keeps it cooler. It's got a wider temperature variant so that, you know, you can, you know, it's not just one is five degrees cooler than the other side. You can actually have one temperature 20 degrees hotter than the other. Um, and you can dial that in. We've got this special UL inspected cord to make sure that your, you know, the plug doesn't turn it into, you know, isn't a fire hazard in your home. You know, last thing you want, you know, you so you start doing those features and those benefits, right? And they're a mixture of you want this so that you don't die. You want this so that you're happy <laughs> and so forth. And then you come to the action part. That's actual copy you use, right? You, you, you need this so yeah. you don't die. Well, I wouldn't say, <laughs> no, actually. If you don't buy this, you will die. No, I would, I would say, you know, without, without the, you know, with, with the, with the cheap cords by the other cheaper brands, if it's not a nine or if it's not a nine gauge wire, you know, people using electric blankets with eight, with 12 gauge wire are, you know, waking up and burning down their homes. I would put that in the copy. Oh yeah, I know that. I was that that I get. I was just saying yeah. like it's good copy. I'm gonna put the copy in my letter somewhere of like you need this or you will die. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's so, gonna be my new headline on my next sales letter. You need if you don't read this sales letter, you will die. And so then I want them to write that call to action, and that that is where so many people fail. And you know the my pillow guy, he's so funny because right now he's running a commercial, right? And he's, and he's playing the commercial, but in the middle of the commercial, he goes, wait, I'm interrupting this commercial to tell you about a special offer that's only good, you know, that's good right now. He's interrupting his own commercial. <laughs> commercial. 
But he's interrupting them and giving them this feeling and a sense of urgency that they're going to get this special deal or special bonus if they order right away. And that is one thing most copywriters, you have to learn to teach your clients if they're not willing to do it or if they give you it, you have to create a sense of urgency. And I don't care. It can be bonuses that you rotate, right? Um, so you get this bonus, but it's for a limited time. And we haven't offered this bonus for a year. Now, next week, we're going to offer a different bonus. You don't tell them that, but you know, but you have to do this and you have to do it for real. You cannot turn around and say, well, you know, the, I'm going to send you this digital PDF, but I'm only sending 500 copies out. Why? You know, everybody, you know, people aren't stupid. They know that it's digital. You know, you're not limited by that. But if you can say my class, um, we usually hit capacity and I, you know, I can't keep the class to under an hour if I'm, if I have to take too many questions. So we've learned to limit the number of people to 50. There is, you know, you can, you can create senses of urgency, but without that, you're going to lose so many sales. And then, you know, um, that all has to be pieced in together with the strategy of the, of the campaign. So again, the first thing I want to know is what you want the final action to be, what our strategy, where the leads are coming from, also the strategy. So if this is going to be an email sequence, if this is going to be a Facebook ad and so forth, then you go into the, and I want to know the, the market level awareness, and then I'm going to go into the research and I'm going to extract all the info I need to put that all together and then put it into, put it into the spots of the funnel strategy that make the most sense to finally get the final outcome of, of the purchase. So it, so as a copywriter, you need to understand all of that. You need to understand we're sending them five emails. You need to understand we're doing a, you know, we're that, that they're going onto a, um, a Facebook um, ad. So they're not even, you know, they're just scrolling through the Facebook, uh, Facebook on their phone in bed. And that's when, you know, they're going to click on this and they're going to see this, you know, and that's when, um, and then I'm going to take them to this other place, which has got an article. It's, you know, we're going to show them a video and then we're going to sell them this. You know, you have different strategies. You need to know which of those strategies and you need to understand all of this to be a good copywriter. You know, um, excuse me, not to be a good copywriter, to be somebody who's doing it a good job for the client. Now, fortunately, most of the time, even if they're wrong, the client has already decided. They said, we're going to do Facebook ads. Now, they make the decision usually incorrectly because they say, we're going to do Facebook ads because I can test it for $10 a day, right? <laughs> um, and there are some things, you know, and, and it depends on who you're targeting. You know, if you're targeting somebody who is, you know, I don't know, 30 years old, very tech savvy, and you're putting in something maybe embarrassing that they don't want to click on because they don't want, to, you know, they don't want to spend the rest of their the, the rest of the next month looking at hemorrhoid ads because, you know, because they clicked on an ad on Facebook, right? <laughs> you know, it, it all depends on, um, you know, who the target market is, where they are when they receive your sales message. That is another thing that is radically um, misunderstood by most marketers. So, yeah, no one's talking about it. The intent, what's the intent when they're seeing the ad? Well, yeah, but also what, what position are they in? So one of the things that everybody teaches with email, they'll say, you know, send out your email at 4 a.m. So it's the first thing that they see when they wake up in the morning, right? First thing you're doing when you wake up in the morning and you look at your email for the very first time 
is go through them with your finger on the delete button trying to get a handle on your day. Which one of these can I delete the fastest? And, but, on, but when you check your email on Sunday at 1130 in the morning, you're bored and looking for something, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, the chances of you reading that email have improved greatly. And, you know, you have to understand the experience. You know, how many of you have a email that you received? You said, oh, I'm going to look at this later. And, you know, it's buried 900 emails below after a few weeks because that's happened a few times and life moved on and you had other emails to look at. Nobody, yep. nobody's, got an, as an, excuse me, nobody's got an inbox with zero emails, all read, all taken care of, all deleted. You know, the, the only time that happens is they get sick and tired. They go onto their desktop and they take all the emails and delete all and delete all at <laughs> a client that would do that every six months. <laughs> I, it, it's not a bad thing to do, but you know, I mean, the, but the point is the majority, you have to understand where the majority of people are when they get their message, what, what mood, you know, you're a different person on Monday morning than you are on Friday afternoon. Your mind's in a different spot. You're, you know, it doesn't make you, it, you know, there's a time when you're like totally not interested in, talking about business. You're totally not interested in talking about um, certain subjects and stuff like that. It's not, it's not the right time to hit them. And you never know where exactly, and by the way, you can, you can make educated guesses, but you will often always be surprised by, the, by what really hit well. Like the, you, you play around with the timing and you'll be shocked. You're like, wow, you know, Sunday evening did much better than I thought. I thought everybody was going to be in bed and tired and, you know, doing this, but we really sold a lot on Sunday evening or, and it's different for different products and different things. So, you know, it's something that good marketers and our people are willing to test. Um, oh, back to, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I forgot the, the tip I was going to give you. <laughs> Okay, so take those swipes. What you want to do is, first of all, most important swipes are the ones that you see over and over again. So the ad that you see running and they're hitting it with you six times um, on Facebook, the, you print it out, um, you go to someplace that's pretty good on testing and you see what kind of ads that they send out to you and via email, you save those and print them. These are both, by the way, you have to print all of these up. Um, you see, you go to, um, magazines, um, and if you, if you are studying VSLs and stuff, you got to watch infomercials and VSLs and you try and find the ones that are repeated have a better likelihood that they worked. Okay. Especially in the pay to play markets, pay to play are per more professional than the people who can just throw stuff up for free. So if you are looking at, if you, if, so for example, you see, and it's not often the case, but sometimes it's the case with supplements that are aging for, for older people in the print market. If you see an ad that's ran three times, you, it's ran profitably. Otherwise they wouldn't be running it three times. Right. And then I would also print up and look at their funnel, go sign up and see what emails they send you because Maybe that's the long-term value is really where they're making their profit. But again, that's their copy. You print it. And you take even the copy in the swipe files that you can buy from old Gary Halbert um, stuff to John Carlton stuff and all that. Print it, print it, print it. Then cut it up. Cut up and make a file for just headlines. Cut it up and make it. And don't sort it by industry. Like this is self-defense. This is vacation. This is romance. This is this sells anything. Don't do that at all. 
Just put in a file of headlines. Just put in a file of opening copy. Just put in a file of lead-in copy. Put in a file, in a separate file is your stories, a separate file just for the bullets. Most importantly, a separate file for the closing offers, right? right. A separate file for risk reversal and a separate file for postscripts and ordering instructions. I see now in all the conversations I've had, I've never heard, I've, you, you hear about swipe files, but you've never <laughs> heard because there, there's this belief that you have to see the whole piece together to understand what's to really get the power of it. But what you're doing there is you're taking the, all of these like top pieces and you're getting inspiration, like you said, across all these different industries. And when I pull up the inspiration from a different industry and I use that because I'm stuck for a lead in, or I'm like, you know, how do I open this? I got all the other elements, but how do I start this copy? Right now I've got these different openers. And when I do it, it sounds fresh. It doesn't sound like everybody else's because this is natural. Going back all the way to the talking about my dad and learning through osmosis, right? right? You hang out with people. You start to think like those people. You hang out with people. You start to dress like those people. You hang out with people. You start to talk like those people. When you spend, when you look and you spend a few hours taught looking and, and, you know, reviewing six major hit cop pieces of copy of something that sold a Forex course, you start to sound like all those ones that sold a Forex course, right? Yeah. You are now no longer sounding any different or fresh than everybody else. And oftentimes cobbling together pieces of this one. I like this one. So I'm going to put this piece in and I like something like this. You, you've paraphrased it to make it your own, you know, but the truth is it's bland. It's boring. It sounds like everything else. And most of the time, if it's in the swipe file, it's no longer running. The reason it's no longer running is it no longer works. Okay. But think, but think about that even in terms of offers, you know, um, you know, think about the people who hire copywriters and so sick and tired of them not delivering on time. Yeah. But you know what, if I don't, you know, I, I'll deliver, you know, I'll deliver the copy, um, in two weeks or it's free, like a Domino's ad campaign, or you look at the other offers and they start show, you know, there are offers that, um, you know, I'll, you know, you run my ad and if you have one, um, if you have, uh, what was the one that I was going to run? It was, um, it was, I'll use my money to beat your control. And here's the way it works. I'm not doing this for free. I'm getting paid to do it, but I really want you to see results. So what you're going to do is you're going to pay me $10,000. Okay. And you're going to write me a check for the $10,000. I'm going to hold it and I'll actually cash it and so forth. And I'm going to do the job. If, you run my ad without editing it, right? And without changing it at all, without my permission. Very important condition there. <laughs> extremely important condition. And you run it and, it and I have to see your control numbers. So I have to see what you've been doing recently. If mine doesn't beat your control, right? I will, you know, and it costs, and you, it costs us, you know, $2,000 to run that test. I will give, I will pay that back. That's out of my money that I would normally be getting paid to do your work as my for, for front mm. upfront fee. So you can, you know, so, it, so I, I lose money if my copy doesn't work for you. Right. And you explain it in that way. And so, you know, and be, so this way we both have skin in the game. 
This way we both have, you know, uh, a vested interest in making this work. But again, my conditions are one, I get to see, I get to see your real control numbers. So if I look at them and you're doing 33% click through rate and, you know, everybody's buying, I'm going to pass because why would I try and beat something that's so good and working and why would you want to change it anyway? Right. But if I see your real numbers and I think I can beat that control, then we're going to run my copy as is. I'll change things that are legally I have to change because, you know, the law won't allow me to say this or you're telling me something is absolutely not true. But other than that, you don't have the right to change the copy as it is. You have to test it as is. And you can spend up to 10 grand testing it as is. And if the tests don't work, I'll give you that check back. If they do work, you know, I'm getting my 5%. Another offer that I told people to make was, you know, say, look, I study with the best copywriters in the world. I see things that I think are very easy to work with and so forth. I'll tell you what, I will, let me rewrite your copy. And I, you know, cause it looks like a simple, quick job for me. And then what I want to do is I get access to the, to the numbers and the results. And then I want 10% of the difference between the old control and what my copy does up to a maximum of $3,000. So if you pay me $3,000, it means that you made 30,000 extra dollars on top of what you would have done otherwise. You know, and then when you deliver the control and you deliver it and they say, wow, this actually looks really good. Say, okay, before you run this, I'll let you have it for $1,500 for a flat fee, but otherwise we're running this. And then of course you have to have a penalty, you have to have a penalty clause if they don't run it. Right. You know, they have to oh, run Oh, that's it. nice. I would have never thought about it. That's great. I can't tell you how many sales letters I've written that's never been written, run. Yeah. Well, that's the whole so thing. So many. Mine's guaranteed to work, but only if it's ran. And it has, and you, and you settle the contract of where it's going to run and you know, how it's going to run. So like, if I was doing an ad campaign, I would say, look, it has to be a quarter, half or full page vertical. In other words, my headline has to appear above the fold and it has to be run on the Sunday paper, right? You know, <laughs> or this has to be run to this group targeted on Facebook and you have to do this amount of ad spend, no more than $10 a day and 10 days straight. You know, you set that, you set those parameters and say, and then if my ad doesn't work, I'll give you my, I'll give you the money back. You know, these become, you know, and this is of course only stuff that you would do if you have, you know, you have a very thin uh, copywriting record. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. But the point is, Looking at unique offers in different industries will allow you to make a unique offer or a better offer in your current industry. Looking at unique headlines that worked in different headlines. So, you know, that's why I like to, you know, I'll model headlines from all kinds of sources, news stories, ads in different industries. The last place I'm going to model that headline is in my own industry. Makes sense. And I think that's a big mistake people do. And the great part is you've got creativity, you've got things flowing, you're fixing all of the stuff together for your copy. What's the one piece that's missing? Oh, it's risk reversal. Well, let me go and look at all these other risk reversals for ideas. And that's where you use them for inspiration. I hope I've added. This has, been, this has been fantastic. So now I know that you do mentoring. And I, I, we've talked before where you said one of the things you do is you specialize in teaching copywriters how to outperform competitors so if someone wants to work with you in that level what's the best way they can they can track you down and have you work with them um 
actually message me on Facebook if you're on Facebook, but go through the Gary Halbert Copy Club. And we have a program and we, don't, we, we opened it up in March and we haven't allowed anybody else to really join the program until, but we will be opening it up again pretty soon. Um, the reason for that is I wanted to make sure that I took the people who were in there in the series of processes. So the first thing I start teaching them is really a bunch of research techniques. And then, you know, I start talking about stories and how to create stories and, you know, um, it actually, sorry, not create stories, find stories. Big thing that copywriters do is say, how do I come up with a great story? You don't, you research and find great stories. Oh, that's great. And which stories to find, okay? And then how to write those stories. And usually what I'm actually doing is, you know, like with that review process and in your review, research stuff, you're actually, if you do it right, I show you a, a system that you can have the prospects write the story for you. They, they actually write it. You're just putting it together from different people. Um, so I wanted to give them all that foundation and make sure that everybody's getting it, understanding it, and the lessons are coming through clear and they're, they're able to apply it before opening it up to other people. And then of course, we don't want to put in too many people because my brother actually, we go over live projects in there. Oh, so wow. if you join it, you can say, hey, I want to brainstorm. I'm, you know, I'm going to be selling the duvet dual air. And so <laughs> we actually brainstorm and do a mastermind just on that product, on like, you know, where you might want to find the good leads for it, what you might want to say. And there's a lot of power in group thinking, yeah. right? especially yeah. if they're positive-minded marketers. So if you're interested in that program, you would want to send me an email specifically. And that would be a bond at the Gary Halbert letter.com. Don't forget the, the, the Gary Halbert letter.com. Um, so, you know, that's been kind of like a secret private program. I launched it by doing something um, that was kind of unique. I created a separate group from my main group just to teach um uh, research. And then I said, if you really like this, I'm going to start this other group. It's a paid men, men, uh, mentorship. And we actually are going to go through learning all the stuff that I teach in copy, you know, how to make unique offers, postscript formulas, everything like that. And they, they just jumped on that offer. In fact, it was going off so well, and I was so worried about it that I turned it off. <laughs> I, I, I removed the other, you know, the, the, the video that let people know more about it um, because I didn't want to have too many people in there. And then, um, so right now we've got it back, we've got it nice and under control and we'll probably be opening it again soon. But, and this is not a false sense of urgency. We opened it up in March. Um, the only people who have been let in after that were people who knew me personally. Um, and that's only a small handful of people. It had not, <laughs> it has not been open. So it's not a false sense of urgency. If you email me, you're interested in it and I do make you an offer, jump on it. Um, and it's also a great program because it's, it's considering what its value is. It's probably, it's, it's, it's a, the best deal. I see people charging incredible amounts of money for far, far less valuable information. Well, and it's just the fact of like what I was saying at the beginning of our, our call here of, you know, working with you and it, it, it's, it's the direct source that's also been filtered and made even easier to implement and expanded on. And 
I think that's the the big thing. I, and I think that's the <clears throat> thing from the people that I know who were protégés of your dad. <laughs> I think most people, when they hear the stories of what the process of how your dad actually taught them, most people were like, there's no way I would ever want to do that. <laughs> so. The other thing that I was, I was awestruck myself with was, you know, my dad would make him write a hundred headlines. And so he would have him look at a swipe file and then write a hundred headlines. But, you know, they'd spend a weekend doing it. Right. And right. I have three, no, four, um, but three, three would work for the hundred. The fourth one is, you know, but I have um, three headline writing techniques that you start writing them right away. You're not, you're not sitting around waiting for inspiration. You're not sifting through other files. You're just writing and writing and writing. When I teach you how to write bullets, you spent, you know, writing 50 bullets is not hard to do. And then you end up choosing between the best of the best. Oh, that's or fantastic. Maybe, or maybe particularly parsing out the best ones in each bullet to make, to form a final bullet. But, you know, there's no, the one thing that I, I really, really try and do is give people the info so that if they've done the research, there's no waiting around for inspiration to hit. Mm. And, you know, so that's, that, that sounds like a title for your next book. Stop waiting around for inspiration <laughs> to hit. Yep. Get writing. And um, by the way, I am working, I was working on that book earlier today. So it is nice. Cool. Nice. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been fantastic. Um, you've been very generous. And again, anybody listening to this, uh, thegaryhalbertletter.com, check that out. You're going to get a lot there. And uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to get hold of Bond, I say jump at the chance. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Travis Cody. Thanks for listening to The Just Right Show. And I want to make sure you're plugged into everything we've got going on. Go to traviscody.com forward slash show and join the email list so you can get notified when new episodes come out. Plus, you can find links to the transcripts of every episode we've done in the past. You can also grab a free copy of my best-selling books that share even more details on how you can up-level your own writing skills. Finally, if you enjoyed the show, I'd consider it a personal favor if you'll leave me a review on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.